0: morning I have a confession to make and I was called out this morning by somebody here in our church that we have already allowed our home to start listening to Christmas music is there anybody else psychopaths out there like that joining me in that process last night we were driving home and the song was requested and it just it snowballed quickly and all of a sudden, my kid's wearing an ugly Christmas sweater to church, and we're, it's all going downhill. But welcome to the holiday season. Today, we'll continue our series here in the book of Matthew. At the beginning of our study, we learned that the Gospel of Matthew helps us recognize that Jesus is the coming King. He's been granted all authority by the Father and has made us His emissaries to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So open your Bible to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll be in verses 19 through 34. Two weeks ago, so as we studied this chapter, we saw that our king expects us to give and pray and fast for him alone, for the audience of one. We're to do this in secret, right? We, we pray in secret, we, we give in secret, we fast in secret, not for the praise of men. We do it in secret because the Lord who sees in secret will reward us. He knows the depths of our hearts and motive matters why we do what we do and whom we do it for matters we can give and pray and fast we can do so for the praise of men have you ever done something for the praise of others i mean since childhood that's been something that we've been doing isn't it watch me run watch out high i can jump i can jump higher than any human ever right going back to your childhood days we love to have the praise of men, but if we give, pray, and fast for their praise, Jesus says, "Well, you have your reward. You've already got it." But if we give and pray and fast to be seen by our Father alone, then our reward is given to us later on. And so the question is, whom do you want to reward you, and what kind of reward do you want? Do you want the the praise of men? the praise of your father do you want reward here on earth the here and now the temporal or do you want rewards in heaven if so if we're talking about giving and praying and fasting and motive matters and whom we want to to get the reward from and and what reward we want it makes sense that this follows in other areas of life as well like money and retirement what about the cares of this world today we will see how uh The matters of this world, how we pray, fast, give, and other daily activities, how they matter to our Savior. So in Matthew 6, 19 through 34, we will see that we are to abandon, we are to abandon the cares of the world by seeking and trusting in our omniscient God. Let me repeat that, we are to abandon the cares of this world by seeking and trusting in our omniscient God. In our next slide here, you're going to see, we're going to point out some contrast before we get into the text here. You're going to see different contrasts. In verse 19, we see treasures on earth. In verse 20, you see treasures in heaven. In 22, you're going to see full of light. In 23, full of darkness. In 24, we're going to have two masters. You have God and money. And though it's not explicitly stated, in verse 25 and 30, you're going to see the physical and spiritual are going to be contrasted as we walk through. So there's going to be a lot of contrast going back and forth as we walk through this text. But first, we see the command to abandon the cares of this world. Look at verse 19 in our first slide here. The command to abandon the cares of this world. Do not, and these are familiar texts if you've been in in church any length of time. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. As As was mentioned in this section, Christ commands his followers He has the right to motive. He knows our hearts. What is your motive behind what you're doing? What you're doing. Not to go after the praise of men, but to seek the reward that comes from the Father. The treasure that comes from doing the things for our gracious Savior. So we're not to lay up for ourselves treasure here on earth, not just praise of men, but other stuff. We're supposed to be seeking the treasures in heaven. So here's this twofold command, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do lay up, the second command, do lay up treasures in heaven. Don't live for the praise of men or the stuff of earth. Why would you do that? Because as verse 19 shows, the stuff of earth ends up getting destroyed. Have you ever gotten a present and destroyed it in the same day? that ever happened to you? You ever have one of your precious toys that you had as a kid get tossed, Chucked by somebody else. I constantly give my wife a hard time. She's not in here to defend herself, so now's the time to talk. (laughs) Constantly give my wife a hard time about throwing away my G.I. Joes. Man, I had a sweet set. Could have been sold them sure for millions now, because they were in perfect mint condition, never played with. Just kidding. No, but there are things that it, it gets destroyed. It it ends up in the trash heap. The brand new car that you bought loses value the moment you pull it off the lot, right? We all know this. It continues to decrease in value the moment you let a teenager drive it, it just plummets. Your insurance goes skyrockets. Nobody wants to pay for that. The stuff of earth. Where does it get you? What does it get you? So Jesus just pointing out the obvious. All of your stores, all the things you've accumulated, and here's the key. Because is it a problem to have stuff? Is it a problem to have clothes? No, which we're all right, we're all glad. We're all wearing clothes today. Is it a problem to have stuff, to have clothes, to have a car, to have a house? Is it a problem to have these things? But what does the text say? Do not lay up for who? Yourselves. I'm not heaping and hoarding for just me and my little family, my little kingdom. It's not just for us. So if you find, mom and dad, grandma, and grandpas, just this tendency to heap and hoard for you and your little kingdom, Jesus says, now we have a problem. Because you're storing up for yourselves treasures here on earth. You can't take it with you. In contrast, we are to store up for ourselves things in heaven. In our next verse, we see the command to lay up, look at verse 21, lay up treasure in heaven and a reason is given. Why are we to do this? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whenever there's a scandal involved, there's a saying that you follow the money. Follow the money. There's a certain scandal for a certain college team right now which I'm very interested in. And They're following money and ticket purchases and, and who's where and what's going on. Could you follow the money? Where your treasure is, there you're, it's where your heart's going to be also. So if we just pulled out your visa statement or your debit statement and I started tracking what do you value? What do you value? So next week, everybody bring that and we'll just read it out loud. Right? No? Nobody wants to do that? You spent how much on what? There's not a single one of us that hasn't made a foolish purchase on, Right? but it's when it's constant, it's continued. Where's my value? The stuff, stuff of earth. Is that what I'm here for? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Is it how much you give? Absolutely not. Can you think of an example that proves that it's not how much you give? Think of the widow and her two mites. Others were giving far more. And Jesus condemned them. He goes after the Pharisees who loved the riches of the world. For for the widow, she gave all that she had. Trusting a good God to take care of her needs. Where did she put that money? In the place of worship. What was her treasure, do you think? What do you think Jesus recognized about that? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So why did he point her out? Just because she gave all or because where her treasure was? He knew what her heart was based on that. Christ points out that we invest in things that we love. So what questions should we ask you? We should be asking, where do I invest my time, my money, my energy? Consider your, your time outside of your 40 hour work week, what do you cherish? What do you love to do? What are your priorities? Where does your money go? What do you invest in? The stuff of earth. Accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. We're getting into a season where it's we're getting ready to accumulate. I don't know if you like shopping. I, I love it. I don't know why. I love finding a good deal. Bargain shopping has been ingrained in me, it's just part of my DNA. So when this phrase, Black Friday comes around, like it's, it's beyond exciting. Because think how much money I can save, right? Which everybody knows is a lie, but yet I still tell myself year after year. But we would get up at 3 a.m. And, and at home growing up, we'd get up at 3 a.m. we go because there was, you know, they used to hand out free stuff. Like you'd get free stuff if you showed up early. And so we would go out shopping early and get free stuff but stuff is all it was. It's a lot harder for me, be transparent, to get up at 3 a.m. to pray. And there's free stuff waiting for me there. Isn't there? So I showed up, I got up at 3 a.m. to get a pack of 100 CDRs, which I'm not even going to explain that to you, young kids, because that was like the, the rage back then. You could get a CDR and I was gonna sell those on my college campus to a bunch of dope college kids that walk by a bunch of knuckleheads here. Buy these for a dollar. I got them all for free. Stuff of earth. It wasn't a bad deal. But where are my priorities in the end? Would, would I put the same amount of time and energy into my walk with Jesus? And this the question. Is it easy? Is there anybody that this is easy for? That answer? the stuff of earth. To help us understand this idea, Jesus gives us an example and an explanation. Look at verses 23 through 25. I'll give you an example of this. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, we understand the difference between darkness and light. You understand the difference between being blind and not being able to see and, and being able to see? Well, how does that connect to treasure? One author helpfully explained this. The argument seems to go like this, he says Just as our eye affects our whole body, so our ambition, where we fix our eyes and our heart, affects our whole life. Where we fix our our eyes and our heart affects our whole life. To conclude that, Jesus says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and money. Today you can have two jobs. Today you can have two employers. But back when this was written, they understood in the Roman Empire where it's, it's, it's estimated 20 to 30% of the people at that time were slaves. They would have quickly understood when you're talking about masters, slaves only have one master. That's not like, hey, you're part time slave for this person and you're going to be part time slave for that person. If I put in my extra 20, I'm going to be part time slave for that person. I got a little side gig slave job over here. It's like, no, you're owned. So 20, 20 to 30% of the entire population in the Roman era were slaves. And they understood one principle if you're a slave, you have one master. There's no part-time. There's no flip-flop going between which one. Like, no, I don't want to be a slave today. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Maybe next week. I'll think about it. I'm going on vacation. Can you imagine that phrase? Hey, I'm going to take my three weeks now. You're <laughs> you're three weeks what? Y- you can't have more than one master. The question then for you and I is, who is your master? Where does your allegiance lie? Now some of you, if you, this is your first time here or first time in a long time, you're like, man, does this dude always talk about money? And, and we would be doing this for the next 25 years. Two weeks ago, we were in Matthew 6, 1 through 18. We're in six nineteen 19 to 34. Lord willing, next week we'll be back in chapter 7. So if you don't like it, try to read ahead and see what Sundays we're going to be there on. But it's, Jesus is dressing our heart. He's dressing our heart. And where your treasure is, it's going to reveal to the world where your heart is also. It's gonna show. The litmus test here, the investment, where we invest our time and energy, money, our ambition. So review this past week and past month. If you were to ask your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, what do you think my priorities are? If you were to ask them, what do you think my priorities are? Would they say, Jesus? That you're that Christian dude. You're that Christian gal man. It's like we know that. Is there evidence by how you invest your time and your money, your energy, your ambition? That Jesus and his kingdom is your treasure? Christian, be careful. Doesn't Paul warn us in 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10? Those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation. Is that not what we would call the American dream? Like, we all want to make it. It's the American dream. Be careful. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He continues in First Timothy six ten: for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Abandon the cares of this world by seeking and trusting your omniscient God. Next we see point number two, the reason to abandon the cares of this world. Given the reason to be under the cares of this world, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than body, and the body more than clothing? The command continues here, and it starts with the command, do not be anxious, or depending on your translation, do not worry. In these verses, Christ points out several things that we could worry about. Food, drink, bodies, clothing, what we wear. Some of you worried about what you're going to wear today. But the struggle, those struggling financially, maybe you wonder how's that next bill going to get paid? How's this going to make ends meet? Has that ever kept you up at night? I told this story before when uh, Rebecca and I, we were in Guam, when we, we hoped we could have kids and we couldn't, we came back to the States and, and somebody, the church I did my internship at said, hey, could you come and fill in? For a couple weeks, two three weeks, we can only give you hundred dollars a week, but do it for two three weeks. Oh sure, we'd come. And so he came there, and while we were there, three weeks turned into eight months, and you're still getting hundred dollars a week. And then Rebecca comes and tells me I'm pregnant. <laughs> what was that again? We wanted kids. Praise God. Not now. we did not have insurance. We can't we can't afford gas for the car. Insurance, how is this going to work out? A lot of bedtime chats with Jesus. What on earth are you doing? What is going on? I know I'm not the sharpest crane in the box. I know I'm not the brightest color, but <laughs> this, this is, you obviously messed up the timing here. We're in Guam, we both had a job, right? So, What are you doing? Wrestle and worry and wrestle and worry and wrestle and worry. Long story short, we ended up getting a job. Ended up getting a job as a youth pastor in Richmond. Insurance was able to take care of Rebecca and it cost us out of pocket for our firstborn $315 total. And he had to get, Rebecca had to get an ultrasound every month. Because of the complication. $315. That would have been helpful news nine months ago. But I look back and it's, it's one of those scars that I wish I would learn from. Will you seek me? Will you trust me? Or will you worry? I chose worry. I chose worry. You may be struggling, friend. Christian, you may be struggling. And you may not see the end. And we'll get to this in a little bit. So learn this lesson. Learn from my failings and others. Learn from, as verse 26 shows us, learn from the birds of the air. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Anybody birders? Anybody here like watching birds? Man, I love birds. Are fantastic. I love them. Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Martin Luther wrote about this verse. Listen to what he said. He said that God is making the birds our schoolmasters and teachers. It is a great and abiding disgrace to us that in the gospel, a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher to the wisest of men. And daily should emphasize this to our eyes and our ears as if he, the bird, were saying to us, look, you miserable man. Look, you miserable man. You have a house and a home, money and property, yet you cannot find peace, and you are always worried. Learn from the birds of the air. Your father, he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Learn from the birds of the air. National Geographic in 2021 estimated that there are over 50 billion with a B, second letter of the alphabet, 50 billion birds on this planet. Over 50 billion. And he knows them And he feeds them, and he cares for them. Over 50 billion. And these birds trust their creator. They trust. And Jesus pointed this out. He can take care of all of them. He can take care of you, and you have to understand you are more valuable to God than the birds. He continues in verse 27, he gives us another example. And which of you, by being anxious... Could add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Are you able to extend your life we're not talking about just a good diet. But y- the end of your life, are you able to say, you know what, I'm going to live a couple more hours. you have that ability? No. So why worry about it? Why worry about food or what we're going to wear? If he can take care of the birds, if he can take care of the flowers of the field, he can take care of you. And how does verse 30 end? What does Jesus say of those that struggle with worry? Oh, you of... Little faith. Premature faith. Infant faith. You, what are you doing? Christian, when I, when I worry, when you worry, we're displaying little faith. The command then, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Before I move on, I want to clarify real quick because I know we're, we're in the day and age where we are aware now more so than in years past of, of mental health. And so I want to cautiously help you understand there there are times where it may not be something that you're doing on purpose as far as being anxious. It could just be a simple chemical imbalance, and maybe you just need to go see your doctor. So we're not talking about that aspect, because that is real, where you're not worrying about anything, but all of a sudden your chest gets tight and you can't breathe, and it's like, what's going on? Maybe it's stress, or maybe you're missing a Sabbath, maybe you're not resting. Maybe that's part. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. So if that does happen, you need to go see your doctor. Don't feel bad about doing that. But if you're doing what I was doing for those nine months, where I'm just day after day, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And refuse to trust and refuse to care. We need to, I need to, abandon the cares of this world by seeking and trusting our omniscient God. We need to trust we need to let go. We need to seek the Lord's face. And that's the direction that we'll see in the last couple of verses here. Look at verses 31 through 34. We'll see the solution to handling the cares of this world. Then verse 31, do, do not be anxious. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles or the pagans, those that don't know Jesus, they seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Christian, is there a difference between you and your unsaved neighbor? Is there a difference? Like I show up here on Sundays, or I show up here on some Sundays, or so yeah, there's a difference. But if we were just going to compare what you fret over and what they fret over, is it similar? If we compared the stuff we have, is it going to be similar? Are you running after the same exact things? Are you living for the things of this earth? or for the kingdom of heaven. With all the distraction that's around us, for all that pulls us in, and if you, just think about it today. So if you sit down today, and you do what most Americans are going to do today when they go home. They're going to turn on the TV and watch a documentary. Right, no? Probably be watching football. Watch the commercials. And find out how many talk about what we eat, and what we drink, and what we put on, and care of our bodies. You could probably lump in flow from progressive because we're taking care of our stuff in the middle of all that. But a lot of this comes back to eat, drink, clothing, what you're wearing. It's still the same stuff. So the solution we find is in verse 33. How do we get away from being pulled in that direction? Look at verse 33. But seek first. First things first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What's the solution? Seek God and His righteousness. Do this and He'll take care of what you need. Like He does for the birds. Like He does for the flowers. He'll take care of your needs. He will not and does not promise to take care of all of your wants. As a parent or grandparent, do you understand the difference of this when your child or grandchild comes to you and says, I need this. I'm not sure you need a new 24-volt, you know, driving tank for you to go and shoot water blaster at your neighbor. I don't know that you need that, son. I don't know if you need a new four-wheeler. I'm not sure i to put that in the need category. Is it not the same with our Heavenly Father? He knows the difference between our needs and our wants, and He promises, if you will seek my face, I promise to take care of your needs. For my God will supply all of my need. He does promise. And so the thing is, seek, your, seek His face. In Psalm 27, 8, which Pastor Ethan read, seek my face, He says. Seek my face. And how does the psalmist respond? Then my heart says, Lord, your face will I seek. You're commanding me to seek you. Guess what I'll do? I'll seek you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to replace seeking the things of the world with the seeking of our Father, our Savior, and our Lord. The world tells us that he who dies with the most toys, what's that? He wins. Does he? I grew up in, in Michigan, where in the auto factory world where we grew up, a lot of, lot of boys worked in the factory. And if you're going to work there, you didn't just have to have a home, but you also had to have a cabin. Didn't just need to have a cabin. You need to have a four-wheeler, not just a cabin or four-wheeler, but also you need a snowmobile. You need something to go on water, you need a boat, you need something to do. You were driving in the fall, so you probably need a motor, motorcycle. That's just a standard, that's just a standard set list of a good auto worker. It's what you do, it's how you live. If you don't have those things, you're missing it. You know who would stand out in contrast to that? Is a good Christian. I'm not here for the stuff of this earth. Is it a problem to have those things? Absolutely not. But it was just like, that's just what makes you a good worker. For Christians, that's not what makes me a good worker. Because I work for him. I don't work for the auto company. And I don't work to accumulate things. Doesn't mean, listen to me clearly, you do not have to go home and sell your four-wheeler. You don't have to. That's not what I'm saying. Why? Are you doing what you're doing with the resources God has given you? That's the question. There are Christian camps that have boats. We should not all unite with pitchforks and go light them on fire. Right? They have rock climbing walls. It's okay. That is okay. But what is the motive behind your heart? Why are you accumulating all that you have? Because he says in verse 32, this is how the world lives. You should be different than them. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does it mean to seek His righteousness? One, one commentator said it will include seeking the right standing before God that comes about as a result of Christ's saving work and also the right conduct that bef- benefits, that, sorry, that befits the servant of God. So I'm seeking His righteousness. He made me righteous, but I'm also seeking to live righteously. Christ concludes a portion of His sermon with, Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the third time, the third therefore in this chapter. At the end of chapter 5, remember when we started this study, when we see the word therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? We get through chapter 5, we get through the Beatitudes, which we're trying to memorize. And we get to the end and we see, therefore, you must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect at the end of chapter 5. Now we start chapter 6. You give in secret. You pray in secret. You fast in secret. You do it for the reward that you get from your Father. And so then seek His reward. Seek the treasure. Lay up treasures in heaven. Do that. And don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to put on. Why would I do that? Therefore, So we see, therefore, in verse 25. Therefore, do not not worry, don't be anxious. So learn from creation, the birds of the field. From the birds and the flowers of the field. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, do not be anxious. This is how people who do not know the Lord live. The people who don't claim to know God as their Savior, the Gentiles, the pagans, this is how they live. Don't live that way. So don't worry, don't be anxious. Then verse 34. Therefore, do not worry, do not be anxious. The command is given a third time. Learn. Learn from these, these things. Live for my reward because I know your heart and I see your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why just accumulate stuff? Trust Him. Look at verse 25. Trust Him because it says in verse 25, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food. The body more than clothing. God knows he feeds the birds, all 50 billion of them. So trust him. You are more valuable to the Lord than birds. How do we know that you're more valuable? Because he died for you. Trust him. Look at verse number 32. Trust him. It says verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them all. He knows what your needs are. So trust Him to meet your need. Trust Him to take care of your needs. Don't we read in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to His riches in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, do you want to live like God would have you live? Or would you like to live like someone who acts as if they've never been forgiven? If you want to live like God would have you live, then you'll seek first the kingdom of God and you will trust him to meet your needs. Trust him to take care of you. As Abraham asked, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Christian, abandon the cares of this world by seeking and trusting your omniscient God. Let me repeat before we go, because I don't want some of you going to go out of here jaded as if you feel like anything you have that's extra. So if you have a second shirt that you need to sell it does not mean that. But maybe it does. Maybe it does. Seek his face. Will you start there? Seek his face. And then before you go make that next purchase, just ask a helpful question. Jesus, would you have me do this? Is that not the start? But seek what? First the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's, that's all. So my first step before I do that, you know what? I should probably walk through this process. I was talking to one of our former teens, and I remember buying uh, something that I could use for ministry. So this is like win, win, win. There's no way this could go wrong. But I got it. It wasn't on sale, but it bothers me already. You know, it wasn't a Black Friday deal. I got it at the price it was supposed to be at. I thought it was a good deal for what it was. I didn't think I could get it any cheaper. I bought it for ministry. And as soon as I did it, I ca- can't go back on it. There's some things you can't return. As soon as I did it, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. And it wasn't just the item. It's because I didn't have to buy that one. I could have got something cheaper. And it would have been just the same. Remember, I mentioned uh, Warren Han, a Chinese, uh, sorry, a Korean brother out in, in Guam, who was a businessman, a well-to-do businessman, who was one of the most gracious, giving people I've ever known in my entire life. I remember Warren came, he took me to lunch, so I passed around to take out to lunch, so he came, which he did, because he was on our youth staff, and he would just come every night for youth, youth ministry and just would pray over each kid. He was awesome. That's all, that's all Warren did. He showed up and just prayed over each kid. And believe it or not, all the teens then loved him. Simple thing, when you decide, I'm just going to pray for you, people all of a sudden start liking you a little more. So he came and just prayed. So he takes me out to lunch, and he pulls up in this brand new BMW SUV. It's pretty sweet. It was fun just riding in it. It's pretty cool. And so I was like, Warren, where would you get the new ride, dude? This is sweet. And so we're, we're going to lunch. We came back. Like a month later, he comes back. Hey, I want to take you out to lunch again. Comes picks me up. That's not the new Beamer. This is not going to be as fun of a ride. Like it's like, like where's the rock massage that I'm going to get in my chair? Like, well, we're on our five minute journey there. What happened to your car? And he's like, man, I was convicted. I should never bought that thing. I didn't need it. Could he do it? Absolutely. Was he giving? He was unbelievably giving. Unbelievably giving. He paid to have Bibles printed in a foreign language, had them printed in the Philippines and China, went, picked them up, and went and handed them out himself. The man was for the advancement of God's kingdom. But he's like, I did it as a little treat for me. And what do you read? Back in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves. And that's the word that kills us. Do not lay up for yourselves. Christian, I, I don't know how the Lord will work in you from here on out, but I, I beg you to consider as you move forward, seek first. So make that the first step the kingdom of God. Lord, would you have me do this? Would you have me do this? Yes, no? As Mama always said growing up, when in doubt, don't. You ever get that line? Not sure, just wait. But seek first His kingdom. Seek first His face and trust Him to take care of you. If you find that to be a struggle, then pray for me as well. Because it's an absolute struggle in my heart. Because I love stuff, especially if it's a bargain. So pray that I would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, knowing He'll take care of all my needs so I can abandon the cares of this world by seeking and trusting my omniscient God. So what does all this mean for us today? First off, friend, do you know this caring, righteous God? Do you know this caring, righteous God who who cares for things as small as birds and flowers. Friend, he cares for you. How do you know that you are more valuable to God than a bird or a flower? In Romans 5, 8, it says God shows, he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know he cares more for you? He died for you. He died for you. He can take care of you as well. Would you come to him, receive his forgiveness as a sinner? Week after week, we walk through our ABCs and you you admit, you and I, that we we sin, we, we go astray, we go on the wrong path. We admit that he's Lord, and he has not. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He did come to this earth. He did die on the cross. He did rise again, he ascended on high, and he still lives today to intercede on behalf of his own. Do you believe that? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Then call on his name. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you have questions on how you can do that, see a Christian friend you came with, see myself, one of our deacons or another pastor, we'd love to walk you through how you can do that today. For those of you here that claim to know Jesus as your Savior, let me ask you first, let me ask you a few questions. First, do you need to abandon the cares of this world? Are there things that you just need to abandon? I need to give that up. Perhaps there's something that has a hold on you. Is it money? Is it stuff? Is it retirement? What is it, Christian? Forsake it and by faith turn back to Christ and seek His face today. Perhaps it's something you can do as as a parent to help your home realize that. Perhaps there's something you can do as a grandparent, even through the holiday season. (coughs) as you're giving gifts to your grandkids and children, which, let me remind you, is a good thing to mimic the Father, right? Does does not every good gift and every perfect gift come from above, from the Father, whom there's no change or variation in Him? So mimicking Him is not a bad thing. But even asking our kids and our grandkids, hey, how could we protect our hearts from seeking stuff as opposed to the Savior? And see what they say. They may be our teachers. Often they get it right. Next, Christian, how's your soul? Is it in turmoil? Do you worry? There's some people that just constantly worry, no matter what it is. Constantly worry. you worry about the next bill, the next thing, the safety of others? If you're driving down 81... Give me a call. What are you going to do? You can't be there. Wait, he wants treacherous. Absolutely. But what are you going to do? Well, then I know. What does it matter if you know? What can you do? Who can do something? God. So take it to him and then leave it there. Lord, you take care of them, and I will rest now in your care and provision. Right? That's hard to do for us. I've mentioned before, it's, it's easy for me, it's easy for me naturally, it's a natural thing that I've learned since my youth to go and give things over to the Lord, give it over to Him. It's, it's easier for me to snatch them out of the Father's hand and try to solve the problem myself. Like, Jesus, I give this to you. And five seconds later in the prayer, I'm like, mm, I'm going to figure this out. You ever done that? And then we, oh, gee, no, I'm sorry, Lord, I give it to you. And then like, I think if we could. And you're like, no. You ever been there? It's easy to worry about these things. Seek his face and trust him. Trust him. That's part of that Sabbath rest that doesn't just come on a day, but it's given to us by the Spirit of Christ in Hebrews 4. There is a rest to be had for God's people today, right now, even now, your heart can rest. Christian, will you turn from this lack of faith, right? Oh, you of little faith. Will you turn from that lack of faith and dive deep into the pool of trust? Christian, by faith, trust the Father who cares for 50 billion plus birds. How many flowers are we talking about? Does he not care more for you? He died for you. Trust him. Last, what lesson about trusting God would a bird or flower teach you today? Instead of self-loathing, man, I am an idiot. If you're like that, like I'm walking through this passage and that may be your outcome, right? Your, Your conclusion. I'm just a moron. What on earth am I doing? Instead of self-loathing, now that may be a good recognition. It was for me. Let me encourage you to take that a step farther. Rejoice that God cares more for you than he does for the birds. Rejoice that those flowers that look more handsome and beautiful than you and I do, fellas, he can take care of them. He's going to take care of you. How do I know He loves me? But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners, He he died for us. Rejoice that your Father in Heaven knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. And He will take care of every single one of them. Every single one. So if you have 37 children and you have $16 billion in college debt that's about ready to come your way, trust, God will supply all of our need. If you feel like the widow and her two mites, you feel like you have nothing to give, and yet you feel challenged still to give, trust that your God will supply all your needs because he loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He will provide. He will take care. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help me. But this text is, is hard. It's hard for me. Father, you know my heart and how much I love the stuff of earth. Forgive me. Forgive us. Spirit, you, you know how much I worry. Forgive me for my lack of trust. Jesus, we desire that you would be glorified in and through us. So help us. Father, Son, and Spirit, help us, our God, the great three-in-one, to seek your face. And may our hearts respond and unite today as one as we cry out, Lord, your face will I seek. Or there may be some here, maybe this is their first day or first time in a long time, and they're walking in and they realize Maybe they've been here their entire life, Lord, and today they realize, I truly do not know this good God. May today be the day of salvation for them. Lord, bring them to yourself. Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would, and we walk out of this building, I pray that you would unite our church as one. As you, Savior and the Father, are one that our hearts would be united as one, not just in worshiping you, but in seeking your face and trusting you. Lord, as we get ready to work through budget and line items and numbers, help us to trust our omniscient God and abandon the cares of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us, please.